How is everybody? Good, 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 good. Glad you guys are here this morning. Um, so, you know, we're going we're gonna to be pretty serious today. Just uh, I'm going to do my best not to be kind of a, a Debbie Downer, but it's, it's um, we're going to talk serious stuff. We're, we're, I mean, we're in a pretty serious time, I think. It's, it's hard to, for me to get up here and just kind of give you guys fluff. I hope I've never done that, but it's exceptionally hard for me to do that. Um, during all the events that are taking place right now in our nation. But uh, I was going to tell you guys a funny story, and then, and then we'll get into serious stuff. Um, but uh, last week, my wife was here at the five. She usually comes to the seven, but she wanted to be at the first service. We were, you know, when we were back in the church. And, and I know we're only running at like a quarter capacity right now, but, you know, at least, you know, at least we get to meet in here and, and worship. And she was sitting on this side, and I have an 11-year-old and a 7-year-old. And my 11-year-old, you know, she's fine. Um, to a 7-year-old, I'm an except, exceptionally boring. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I get it. If I was 7, I wouldn't want to hear me either. So my 7-year-old's sitting over here. <laughs> and I mean like two sentences in, you know, to me teaching. At this point in the lesson, I, I haven't even taught the lesson yet. She's done. She's clocked out. And she's like draped over the seat. And <laughs> my wife's like, Vi... <laughs> She goes, Vi, what, what can we do? What, what can you do? What would, what would make you happy right now? And she's like, Mom, I just want to do a cartwheel. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> my wife goes, well, we're in church. And she goes, look at all the space in between the rows. I could do a cartwheel <laughs> right here. And my wife's like, no, no cartwheels. And she slumped back down you know, <laughs> into the misery of having to hear her father talk for another 45 minutes and no cartwheels. So uh, Good times. You guys remember when life was so simple that it just took a cartwheel to kind of make you happy, right? Missed those times, but that was fun. So we've been in the book of Matthew. If you've never been here before, here's, this, is, this is what we do. We, we take a book of the Bible, we go through line by line, word by word, verse by verse, and we work our way through it. And I'll tell you what, guys, uh, and if you've been coming here for any length of time, you've seen it too. And it's not anything about me. It's I'm bragging on God's word. Regardless of what's happening in the world, I find it absolutely fascinating how the Bible is always right on the money, right? So whatever is going on out there, like last week, we talked about family, and it happened to be the, fa the, the, the first time we could get together and actually kind of be a spiritual family in, in months, and um, that's happened to be where we were in the Word of God, this part about family. And we're in chapter 13 of Matthew this week, and again, it's fascinating in the last three months, you know what we're seeing right now? I've been talking with it with a couple of my friends is we are really trying, trying, uh, starting to see the, the, the true nature of people. They've said something, you know, I'm a Christian, and then we see them turn on their beliefs, and I'm peaceful, and we see that not play out, and all these things that people claim to be, and we're starting to see kind of the true nature of humanity right now, and it's, uh, it's a little bothersome, isn't it? We're starting to see this refinement. You know, if you put gold into a refining fire, what happens is, is all these impurities come up to the surface, and we're, we're starting to see some of that. So we're in chapter 13, and um, I'm convinced more than ever that the only thing that's going to save our society and us as individuals, our families, our nation, our world, is the gospel. That's it. It's the only thing that's going to do it. And so today we're going to get back into it. And here's what we're going to talk about. Today is going to be so simple. When I say simple, um, all the children in this room, you, you will be able to easily understand this lesson, maybe even more so than the adults you're sitting by because we have convoluted our minds with so many other things. But Jesus is going to tell us a parable. We're just going to go over one parable today. It's a short story, basically, that he's going to tell. And it's very, very simple. This is all it's about. Jesus is going to talk about a farmer. It's going to say sower in my translation. 
A farmer who has seed, he throws seed out on four different types of ground. And we'll go over all this, right? Four different types of soil. And Jesus says there's only one kind of soil that absorbs the seed and it grows into something big and produces fruit. The other soil, they have the seed. Some reject it, some accept it for a little bit, but only one kind accepts it and it turns into a, a big tree that produces fruit. That's it. That's all Jesus talks about today. Extremely simple. And Jesus is gonna start telling us these very simple stories. And what these simple stories are going to do is they're going to divide righteousness from unrighteousness. People who want to be good and people who do not want to be good. And that's what these simple stories are gonna do. But today we're gonna to talk about what are we? What kind of soil are we? We're gonna talk about four different types. And every single person in this room, everyone watching me on YouTube or Facebook or whatever people watch things on now, all the people doing this right now, we're all gonna fall into one of these four categories. All of us, okay? So today, what I hope is, is that we can step back and be honest, right? Because guys, I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. We don't have time to lie to ourselves right now. Things are too serious. So we gotta be honest with ourselves and take an honest, objective look at our lives and say, what am I? What am I doing? How am I living? And who does that honor or dishonor? So we're gonna have to be honest this morning, okay? And um, here's the other thing, last thing, and then I'm, I'll, I'll quit with my little opening monologue. All the kids are like, I wish I was doing cartwheels right now, but uh, <laughs> it's the last thing I'll say. Here, here's, what, here's, what, here's what's tough about my job. There's lots of things, but here's one that's exceptionally tough. The people that are in the room are the people that probably don't need to hear the message as, as much as the ones that aren't in the room. So I, I get up here and I, I get all passionate and yell and scream and hoop and holler. And it's like I'm preaching to the choir. You're, you're, you're obviously not bad soil because you found yourself in this room this morning. So you're here for a reason. And so forgive me today. Give me grace today. So if I get a little bit passionate, it's not because you're bad. It's because society right now is burning and I'm, I'm, I'm upset. So please show me a little bit of grace today. Okay. That's all I ask of you. Um, love you guys. I'm going to pray. If you have a Bible, we're in the first book of the New Testament, 13th chapter. Virtually everything we're going to read today is straight from the mouth of Jesus himself. We used to give out handouts. Maybe one day we'll get back to that again. Who knows? So uh, if you have a smartphone, if you download the Experience Community app, click on services, sermon notes. Everything is there for you. And um, I think that's it. I think we're in good shape. Okay? Let me pray. Father, Lord, I love you. God, and I thank you, and I thank you so much um, for my brothers and sisters that are in this room right now. God, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we get to do this. I'm appreciative, Lord, that it's not just me and a camera, that we actually have people in this room. Thank you for that, Father. Lord, I pray that everything we talk about today, that it, that it honors you and pleases you, and I pray that it sharpens us and makes us uh, better people, God, closer to you. We pray for every church in our city. We pray for all the pastors, God, and the congregations. Lord, we pray for Portico, which is one of the greatest organizations in our county. We pray, Lord, that they're financially blessed and that they have all the help that they need, God. They continue to do this wonderful work for, for uh, uh, single moms and for, for expecting mothers, God. Bless them, God. Lord, we love you. We thank you today. Keep your hand on me, Lord. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're in chapter 13, okay? I'm gonna read a little bit, and I'll go back and break it down to the best of my ability, all right? On that day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. 
Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat down while the crowd stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came down and devoured them. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. It's very important. Other seed fell among the thorns and the thorns came up and choked it. Still other seed fell on good ground and produced fruit, some a hundred, some 60, some 30 times what was sown. Let anyone who has ears listen. That part is extremely important. I'll get to it here in a second. So here's what was happening. Jesus was speaking to a large group of people and, and Matthew, the author of this book of the Bible, is going to introduce a new style in which Jesus uses and it's called parables. And I'll define that here in a second. So what happened was this. The crowd had gotten so big, Jesus went onto a boat. It was a Sea of Galilee, right? He's sitting on a boat. All this huge crowd was standing on the shore. That was culturally how they did things. That's how you showed respect. The teacher sat down, the audience stood up, which I mean, I know it's different from what we do, but I kind of like it, right? I get to sit, you guys have to stand. Uh, they were on a beach, I like that idea too. So, but in their culture, that's how you showed honor. Now, the only thing I thought of in this, and I, this is me just, this is, this is the beginning of, of our downward slope this morning. It hit me how much of a, of a civilization, how much of a society, how much of a culture the United States has that we have absolutely no respect and honor right now. We don't respect anything. We don't respect each other. We don't honor each other. And you know what's fascinating about that is in this Christian nation that we live in, the Bible says not only to honor people, but to outdo each other with honor. Honor people more than they honor you. And listen, if we all did that and if we all respected our neighbor even more than they respected us, we would have a lot of respect to go around. We'd have a lot of honor to go around. We don't respect governments. We don't respect authority. We don't respect people of different nationalities. We don't respect people of different ideologies. We don't respect anybody in our culture right now because it's all about us. It's all about us. So Jesus introduces this new method of teaching, parables. The word parable simply means this. It's very, very simple. It's, it means literally to cast alongside. So what Jesus does is he takes something that kind of all of us can understand, like a farmer throwing out seed, right? Very simple. He takes something that all of us can understand to explain to us something that we don't understand. That's why Jesus would often say, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he would tell us something very simple, and we're like, oh, that makes sense. Now listen, to the person that admits that they don't know it all, the willing learner, these parables are so easy to understand. Like I said, even children can get them, right? But to the person that already knows it all, it goes right over their head. To the arrogant scoffer, they read these stories from Jesus and they're like, that doesn't make any sense. It's because you don't want it to make sense. We're not humble enough to accept these very simple teachings. So the point of parables were to reveal things to people that the Old Testament hadn't already shown us. 
So Jesus is gonna teach us things that we had never seen before. And in Matthew 13, Jesus is starting to teach his disciples how they're going to live when he's gone, right? When he's not literally standing next to them, he's just gonna be with them in spirit, but he's gonna be gone. So Matthew 13 is starting to foreshadow this, the church, that we don't have Jesus literally sitting next to us, but we have his spirit. And how we're to live is Christians that can't see God, but we feel God. That's what it's setting up. Now, what this is, is this. If you buy a copy of the Bible, which I hope you do, if you buy a copy of the Bible, and if you start off in Genesis chapter one, this is why I think starting from the beginning is important. You can jump around, but I like starting from the beginning. If you start in the beginning of the Bible, we, will, we learn a very little about God. You read Genesis 1, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So the first thing that we know about God is very, very little. He's the creator. That's all we really know at that point. But as you read the Bible, the Bible does this when it comes to knowledge. It's called progressive revelation which means the further you go in the word of God, the more you learn about God. And by the time you get to the end of the Bible, which are future events that haven't taken place yet, we have a full revelation of not only who God is, we don't know everything, but we know enough to have a good relationship with him, to be saved. We know what our eternity looks like a little bit. So we have enough revelation to follow him. And by the end of the Bible, knowing that the, uh, the events in the end are of the future, we should know that there is no revelation about the Christian God outside of this book. That's very, very important. It's so important that some of the last words in this book say, do not add to this book, or the plagues of this book will be added to you. Do not take away from this book because your name will be taken away from the Lamb's book of life. This book gives us as much revelation as we need to know about God. That doesn't mean that other books aren't good and can't commentate on this a little bit, but this is the mind of God on paper, okay? And there is no Christian revelation beyond the Bible. That's an offensive thing to say nowadays. So this parable is actually a parable that sets up other parables. Not only does it set up other parables, this first parable is going to ask the question, why do some people accept Jesus and his message? And why do other people reject Jesus and his message? <laughs> so here comes the spoiler alert. So we ask the question, do people reject Christianity and the message of it because there's a problem with God? Do they reject it because there's a problem with the message? Or is there a problem with the soil, which is us? And I'll go ahead and tell you, it's us. <laughs> it's not a problem with God. It's not a problem with the message. It's a problem with our hearts. And that's kind of the theme from here on out. So I don't have to explain this parable because Jesus is going to do it for us in the last part that we cover today. But this is basically all the parable is about. There are different kinds of soil. Seed is thrown out onto the soil. And depending on the soil... The seed either takes root and grows or it dies, right? That's all this is about, and I said that earlier on. But here is the most important part. Jesus says, for those that have ears, listen. Now, Jesus says this a lot, not just in the book of Matthew and in the other gospels. He says it a lot in the book of Revelation. If you read the book of Revelation in the first three chapters, 
almost all of it is Jesus speaking, and he's speaking to churches. And he says over and over again to churches, those that have ears, listen. What that means is this, is we choose to understand. We choose to learn. So here's the thing about salvation. Here's the thing about the Bible. Here's the thing about our relationship with God. It's not about your intellect. It's not how smart you are. It's not it. It's not about your talent or abilities. It's not about your social status. It's not about the color of your skin or your nationality. Our relationship with God is a choice. And all those other factors are irrelevant. It really boils down to, do you want to know God or do you not want to know God? And if you don't want to know God, this book is not going to make any sense to you. There are people who have dedicated their entire lives of trying to understand this book, but because they don't have a relationship with God, all it comes off is a good piece of literature and that's it. But the ones that want to have a relationship with the Lord, this book will absolutely change your life and how you do things, right? But you have to want it. For those that have ears, listen. When disciples came up and asked him, why are you speaking to them in parables? Now, if you aren't here, the majority of the crowd he's speaking to are religious people, right? A lot of people that don't want to hear what he has to say. He answered, because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you to know, but it has not been given to them. For whoever has will be given to him, and he will have more than enough. But whoever does have, even what he has will be taken away from him. That is why I speak to them in parables. Because looking, they don't see, and hearing, they don't listen or understand. Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them, which says, you will listen and listen and never understand. You will look and look and you will never perceive. For this people's heart has grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn back and I would heal them. Jesus says, blessed are your eyes because they do see and your ears because they do hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people have longed to see the things that you see, but didn't see them, to hear the things that you hear, but they didn't get to hear them. So there is a shift, right? We already talked about this. Jesus is teaching a different way. Now, the part that I just read to you is not an interruption to the parable, it's actually kind of part of the parable. And the disciples noticed that Jesus was teaching a different way. So they walked up and they said, hey, help us understand why you're teaching like this. Now, here's how Jesus worked. Jesus would teach to a large group of people, but he wouldn't fill in all the blanks. He would, he would, he would approach people, right? He would draw close to them. He would throw it out there in the hopes that someone would approach him and say, Tell me what that means. So publicly, he threw out the message. Privately, he would answer the deeper things of that to those that wanted to go deeper. And that brings us to a principle in the Bible. And my Lord, if there's any scripture that we need to know right now in the United States, it's probably this one. James 4, 6 tells us that Jesus draws close to people that are humble and he pushes away from people who are proud. This is why we're seeing so much chaos in our nation right now is because, quite frankly, we are one of the most arrogant, cocky people on planet Earth. We are so arrogant, and we have been for decades. 
We're better than everyone. God bless us and no one else. We are so cocky. And now we are starting to see how, man, we are starting to see how much the Lord is pushing away from our nation. And I know that offends you because some of you worship our nation more than you worship God. On the flip side, if God draws near to the humble, he pushes away from the arrogant, from the self-righteous, and that prohibits a people from seeing the truth and understanding the simple things of God. Let's take it out of the macro level of our nation and let's bring it into a micro level, our lives. The reason why so many marriages fall apart isn't because the principles of marriage are difficult. Ephesians 5, men love your wives like Jesus loves you. Women respect your husbands. That's it. Do those two things and you will have a healthy marriage, I promise you. But because we're so self-centered, we see those simple things and we go, oh, it's not that easy, right? It becomes all about me and finding myself, which I'm so sick of hearing, and all of these other selfish tripe that we throw out. And we, we, we look back and we see the carnage of our selfishness. And God continues to push away from a people who are so self-righteous and so arrogant and so cocky, and we have deceived ourselves. So what the parables did is they exposed such a simple truth, right? Such a simple truth. But because people didn't want to look, they couldn't see. Because people shut their ears off, they couldn't hear. And that fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy, written some 800 years before Jesus was born. And what happens is this. The more, we choose, <laughs> the more we choose to walk around with our eyes covered and our ears closed, the closer we get to the cliff, and inevitably we're going to fall over. We get closer and closer to destruction, but we, our eyes are so tightly shut and our ears are so tightly shut that we don't even realize how far we have gone and how dangerous that has become. And that is because our deceptive hearts have this amazing way of convincing us that the truth is relative only to me. What that means is this, I can choose my own truth, right? What's true for you may not be true for me. We think that truth is dependent on how we feel. We have become a, a group of people, right? Even a lot of so-called professing Christians where we follow our emotions and our feelings more than we follow the Bible. Man, in this point, more than we even follow logic and reason. We have thrown logic and reason out the window. Look what Paul said almost 2,000 years ago in Romans, that there will come a time when people will even turn away from unnatural things. They will turn away from the natural and they will gravitate towards the unnatural. Paul said that the lies will become truth and the truth will become lies. People won't know what is up and what is down. We are here. But only if you want to see it. But our deceptive hearts have this amazing way of convincing us, well, I feel like this. Listen, married man, there's going to be an attractive woman walk by sometime, and you're going to have this feeling for a second. We talked about it last week. That's why you capture that feeling. Bring that feeling back to the word of God that is the truth and let God subdue that awful feeling that's going to cause you to get divorced. Feelings are, are great slaves, horrible masters, right? That's what feelings are. We cannot let them dictate our lives. It is deception, Jeremiah. And so Jesus says, if, if at any time, if people would just humble themselves, that if they would turn back to me, I'd heal them, I'd fix them, I would correct them. And so at any time, 
we as individuals, we as a, as a people can be restored, we can be forgiven. But what happens is if we're not careful, we walk around so long with our eyes and our ears covered that we're gonna get so lost that our minds become useless and we will never be able to find our way back home. And that's a scary thought. But Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, you guys are blessed. Listen, you're blessed because you choose to be blessed. You're blessed because you choose to see, you choose to hear. They wanted to know the truth. They wanted to build a relationship with Jesus more than they wanted selfish things. Now let's be honest in this room. All of us are selfish at times. All of us are tempted at times. All of us look at the world sometimes and say, man, that looks really appetizing. And even the things that aren't destructive, you know, man, it looks good to have a lot more money than what I have or live in a nicer neighborhood or drive a nicer car, whatever the case may be. And not that all those things are even bad things. What Jesus wants us to do, though, is to seek him first. We can have some other nice things in our life. God's not against that. But God just says, look at me first. Look at me first and let me put the priorities of your life in the proper context and you will be blessed. You will appreciate those things that you have. And so Jesus even looks at him, he says, guys, there were prophets and righteous people that would have loved to do what you're doing. Listen, these guys were walking around with God in the flesh. And I bet there were some times when they're just like walking from town to town when maybe they forgot, right? Maybe they forgot. Well, that's God right over there, right? You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure there were times that they took it for granted when they're sleeping on a street or staying in someone's home. They forget that God incarnate is right there in the room with them. But listen, we do the same thing, don't we, guys? Again, look at the state of the United States right now. Look at the position we're in right now. We talk about how awful it is to live in this country that's why I wish I could take all of you with me to Uganda sometime and watch two-year-old naked kids play in garbage heaps. And then I want you to come back and tell me how awful it is to live in this place that we live. There are so many blessings around us and not just the blessings that we experience materially and just how wonderful. Man, the fact that we can breathe clean air over here is fantastic. You go to Africa and the first breath you take, you're like, wow, that kind of hurt because the air is so dirty. You can't drink the water. It's terrible. But not only those things do we take for granted. Listen, if you're a Christian in this room, Ephesians 1.13 says every single one of you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. I think we take for granted the fact that God is not some distant God. God dwells inside my heart. And we forget that too. God, where are you? He's like, I'm right here. I'm right here with you. We forget how close he is. And we take for granted that we get to experience something that a lot of people have not got to experience. Okay? And we forget that. Last part. Jesus says, listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the one sown along the path. And the one sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy, but he has no root, and it's short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, 
immediately he falls away. And the one sown among the thorns, that is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But the one sown on the ground, on the good ground, this is the one who hears and understands the word, who does produce fruit and it yields some 100, some 60, and some 30 times what has been sown. So Jesus goes back to the beginning and he explains himself, right? Now here's what's interesting. This, this is a very important lesson for all of us in this room. Because the disciples were faithful with the small things, God gave them more. This is a good lesson for us. Because most of us, if we go to college, right? This is the, I did this when I was this age. You're 22 years old, you get out of college, you're like, here I am, world. Where's my six-figure job and my BMW, right? And that's not the way it works. It takes time to accumulate certain things, right? Some of us never make that kind of a salary or drive a BMW. But it takes time to accumulate things. And what Jesus shows us over and over again through the Gospels is, if you're faithful with the small things, God will give you more. In fact, in the book of Zechariah 4.10, it says that. Don't despise the days of small things. Because if we're not good with small things, we're never going to get big things. I hear people tell me, I mean, not a lot, because this is a very faithful church when it comes to finances and things like that. Faithful church anyways, but... I hear people say sometimes, well, I'll start giving to nonprofits into the church when I make more money. And I say, no, you won't. More money only makes you more of what you already are. And right now you're selfish, so you'll just be selfish with more. It's the truth, right? Well, I'll just wait till everything gets set in stone and then I'll do that. No, you won't. Because more responsibility brings on more problems and more distractions and everything else. But when we're faithful with small things, God is faithful with us with bigger things. So Jesus explains the parable of the sower, right? We've already gone over this. So Jesus explains that uh, anyone who chooses to not listen to his teachings, that's the seed, that they will eventually be snatched up by the devil. And then there's this different kind of soil that is the real problem in this parable. So he illustrates four different types of soil. And we'll actually go over this two times, okay? The first kind of soil, and I don't think anyone in this room qualifies for this, or you wouldn't even be in this room. But you'll meet people like this. But, but again, if you're watching right now, you're probably not this soil. If you're in this room, you're not this kind of soil. This is the kind of soil that if you were to present to them the gospel or say the name of Jesus or try to talk about your faith, they instantly shut you down, right? I don't wanna hear it. I already know, right? I, I, I know all there is to know. There is no God or you know, there's this other God. or They're so uh, pushed down that they will not receive any truth except for their own truth. Now, if you can imagine, the, the visual that Jesus is using is if you uh, ever walk trails or if you run out and, and you have like a path you run, the ground almost won't even, it can't grow even grass, right? Because it's become so packed down and hard that if you were to throw seed on it, it doesn't do anything. That's this first type of person. And they fall victim to evil because their hearts are set on themselves and their own beliefs, and a lot of them have become bitter. That's person number one or soil number one, if you will. Now, that one, again, that, I don't think that applies to maybe anyone in this room. The second one might apply to you. If not now, maybe later. This group receives a little bit of extra attention because it happens a lot. I have seen this thousands of times. 
Before COVID happened, this church ran somewhere in the ballpark of 5,500 people or whatever on the weekends. And, and as many people as we had come in, I can't tell you the thousands and thousands that fell victim to this. These are people that come into the church, they hear the word of God, they feel the hope, they feel the Holy Spirit for a moment in this room, the good music, and they say, I want that, right? And they jump in, but Jesus says, because they have no root, because they don't read, they don't pray, they don't take it seriously, that whenever sacrifice is demanded, whenever persecution comes, whenever they start to discover that being a Christian is not easy and fun all the time, they're out, right? They're gone. First person that unfriends you on Facebook, they're like, I've been persecuted, I'm out, right? <laughs> Tell that to a Coptic Christian who's nailed to a cross in Egypt as we teach, right? There I go again, I'm so sorry, guys. Anyways, <laughs> the goal of this life, and let me tell you, the goal of Christianity is not your comfort. It's not it. The goal of Christianity is not finding yourself. Let me tell you what, guys, I'm, I'm gonna be a jerk again. If anyone ever comes up to me and says, Corey, I found myself, I, was, I always say, you're screwed. Because <laughs> if you find yourself, you're gonna run into a heap of trouble and you're gonna be very, very disappointed. Jesus says, don't find yourself. In fact, Jesus said, lose yourself for my sake. Don't try to find yourself, try to find me. That's what Jesus said. And it's only by finding Christ that we can really understand what living truly is. Whenever I hear Christians say, I found myself, I'm like, man, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. You need to find Jesus Christ. The point of Christianity is not you discovering you. The point of Christianity is you discovering Jesus Christ. That's what fulfills us. That's what sustains us. So a lot of people fall into when times get tough, they're gone, right? Another group of people that we also see probably a lot in the Bible Belt are people who say that they're Christians, right? They, they claim to be Christians. They got the good bumper sticker. They might have a little ichthus tattooed on their arm somewhere. They, they might come to church every once in a while. They're Christians, right? But what happens with this group, the one among thorns, is there's all these competing passions in their lives. Well, we haven't been to church for four months because my, my kid's in travel baseball, and I'm like, man, I hope travel baseball saves their soul. Listen, nothing against baseball. I'm from St. Louis. Love baseball. Love baseball. I'm a big baseball fan. Very sad we're not having a season this year. Love baseball. But if it's between teaching your kids to fear the Lord or making them the greatest left-handed hitter of all time, I hope you teach your kids to fear the Lord. I hope you teach them to love and respect and honor people and to follow the Bible. So what happens is, is all these competing passions come in to where we love Jesus, but we'll get to Jesus when we do our job, when we cover this, when we get into that home, once we get done with traveling all the time, once we get all these other things out, then I'll get to Jesus. And there's this deception that they're a Christian, but they're really not. And what happens is, is their faith just kind of withers away because again, there is no root. There is no substance behind it. And then, of course, there's this last group, and this is where I hope all of you in this room are, is not perfect soil, but willing, good soil. We're not perfect. No one in this room is going to be perfect, but we have a desire to know God. We have a desire to dig deeper. And if we have a desire to dig deeper, look at what he said. Look at this. Some will produce 160. At the very least, Jesus says, you will produce 30 times more fruit than what has been put into you. So at the very least, right? 
those of us will produce 30 times more than what we've absorbed if we have a hunger for God. We can do amazing things if we will just be humble, if we will just build a relationship to him. What this means is, think of the people you will affect, moms and dads in this room. If you will teach your children in the ways of Jesus Christ, right? If you will pour into them, if you will pray with them and for them, if you will buy them a copy of the scripture, if you will model the importance of going to church and being faithful and serving your community, not only will there be fruit in your children, but in your children's children and in your children's children's children. And it goes down and that pyramid gets so big. And by just a couple of seeds planted, you see this huge repercussion or ramification or production all throughout these these generations. That's what Jesus is talking about. If that seed can catch in one of us, you have no idea how many hundreds of people will be changed and affected by that one seed catching root in us. That's what Jesus is talking about. So here's the thing. It's very, very simple. There is a God who sent his son to convey an extremely simple message. And anyone in this room, anyone you talk to, can understand the basic principles of the Bible. Anyone. The problem in our lives, though, are not because there's an issue with God. There's no issue with God. The issue is not with the message. The issue is is we're disconnected. We're selfish people. Our Hearts are the problem. That's the problem. Not the farmer, not the seed. It's the soil. It's me. I'm the problem. And we have to want to correct it. So one more time, are we past soil? Have we become so selfish? Have we become so hardened that we won't even listen? We won't even pick that book up because we don't even care what it says. Do we only accept truths that line up with my truth? Well, that doesn't work for me. Well, it's not just about you. It's not just about me. Again, I don't think many of you fall into that category. But maybe you fall into the rocky ground category. Maybe when times get tough. I can't tell you how many people over the years... We pick on a lot of different sin and elevate a lot of different sin to higher rates because it takes the attention off our sin. We do that a lot in Christianity. I can't tell you how many people have left this church because I've gotten on the stage and said, it's a sin for you to sleep with your girlfriend and you're not married. Well, how dare you? We're married in God's eyes. No, you're not. There's nowhere biblically that supports that. And they'll leave because of those things. Because what happens is, when you get into this book, this book is going to tell you to change. Why? Because he's good and we're not. So we're to change more into the image of him. So if you read this book, and you're gonna, any one of you in this room, whatever your struggle may be, whether it be greed or sexual struggles or, or whatever the thing, you're going to read this book and you're going to come across something that goes, ooh, I do that. And the question at that point is, are you going to push through and follow this word? Or are you going to say, I'm out, I'm out. I can't tell you how many thousands of people I've seen say, I'm out. I don't want to change that much. Are we the kind of people, and this is, man, maybe this is where most of us really struggle. Is we say we love Jesus Christ, but man, there's these other things that I really, really love too. 
Here's the thing about that. It's, it's when, we, when we are soil among thorns, we can give off this, this persona. We can trick a lot of people. We can fool a lot of people that we really, really love Jesus. But if you really get down to the core of our heart, he's like our fourth priority, our fifth priority. And there's all these other things that seem to take precedence over that. Now, again, this is where I hope most of you are. And, and this is where I would, I, I would guarantee that, that, that most of you probably fall into this. And I don't want to give you like a false sense of security. I'm not telling, oh, we're good. Cool, we're good. No, no, no. But you're here because you obviously want to hear a message. You're here because you want to worship. You're here because you, you want to dig deeper. And that is very, very encouraging. Now, listen, we're not called to be perfect. We're not going to be perfect, but we have to be willing which means that even in our imperfection, when sin arises in us, when we do something wrong, we're willing to go back to the Father and say, God, forgive me, forgive me. And God says, man, I, yeah, I'd love to forgive you. God's not looking for, for perfection. He's just looking for desire. He's looking for the want, the want to follow him, the want to honor him, the want to be looking for his return. Found myself praying for that a couple of times in the last three months. So listen, let's do all this with balance too. This is my last slide. Well, today Corey told us we can't have fun. <laughs> Kids can't play baseball. <laughs> that's, not, that's not it at all. Listen, you can have hobbies. I, I love old cars, right? They sometimes make me have to repent because I say words that I shouldn't when I'm working on them but I love old cars. I love hanging out with my wife and kids. I love watching stupid things with my kids on TV and laughing. There's a lot of things that I love to do besides just reading the Bible and praying. And God knows, listen, it even says earlier on in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus knows that you need community and food and hangout time. Jesus knows that, but you know what he says? He says, but in that, seek me first. Just put Jesus first. And when we put Jesus first, you know what he does? Is he gives us the ability to prioritize everything else. Jesus wants you to be able to feed your family and have a decent job and have purpose and have fun in this life. God wants all those things for you. Jesus says, seek me first and I'll give you the ability to do those things. Seek him first. And we're not gonna be perfect. But we have to strive to want to know our Father. We have to want to strive to do what's right. You know, I've always known it, but you know what I'm, I say always, ever since I've been a believer, I've known it, but I've just been really reaffirmed lately. Do you know what's gonna change the world? It's not gonna be taking away law or adding law. It's not gonna be defunding this or extra funding that. It's not gonna be protests. It's not gonna be, Facebook posts, it's not going to be revolutions or wars or until Jesus Christ touches the hearts of mankind, we will keep getting the same results we've always gotten. We keep talking about we need to do this, we need to do that, we need to read this or impeach that person or elect this person or do these things. If the gospel is not the center, if we do not open up a pathway for God to touch the hearts of man, we will devour ourselves.
we will eat ourselves alive. It is only by the grace of God, by the message of God, it is only by the, 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 the mercy and the direction of the Holy Spirit that humanity and society will change. I am such a firm believer that this message, as simple as it is, is the most profound thing you will ever read, the most life-changing, soul-saving thing you will ever engage in. We've got to get back to that, but we have to want to. So up here on my right, your left, this is Isaac. So I'll just stare at Isaac as he walks up here. <laughs> Isaac's a great guy. He's one of our pastors here at the church. He's a discipleship pastor. Listen, if you have any questions for Isaac, if you're in this room and, and maybe you're just kind of on the fence and you're like, okay, all this sounds good. I don't even know what to do. If you have any questions, any, any hangups, come over here and talk to Isaac. He'd love to talk with you. If you need prayer for anything, there will be men and women on both sides of the stage They would love to pray with you for anything you need. And then the last thing is you should have communion in your hands. We're doing a little bit differently than we normally do it. Usually have the stations, but we can't do that right now. Listen, that little wafer and that, that juice that you hold in your hand, that is symbolic of the most simple but most profound lesson and, and message you can ever hear that the Son of God came to earth. He lived and he died for us. And that if we would just believe in him, we will not die but have everlasting life. That's simple. If you want it to be. It's the most profound thing you'll ever hear if you want to humble yourself to it. All of us in this room can take that bread and that wine that represents the body and blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. It just reminds us of this simple yet profound thing that God did for us. Saves our souls. And the only thing that stops us from taking that communion is we have to ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins. That's the only thing you have to do. And everyone is welcome to take that, okay? I'm gonna pray for you and you guys can take that together. You can take it individually. Um, if you need prayer or to talk to Isaac, please help yourself, okay? Father, Lord, I love this church. God, I love the people in this room. Thank you, Lord, that they're here this morning. Everyone who's watching, God, thank you, Lord, that they tuned in. Father, I think everyone in this room can join with me and agree with me on this. Lord, our nation needs you. Our people need you, God. There's so much anger and there's so much hatred and there's so much division and there's so much confusion right now, Father. We need you, Lord. We need you on a macro level and we need you on a micro level. We need you in our lives. Father, Lord, forgive us for our sin, God. Humble us, Jesus, and set our eyes back on you, Lord. Let us be a people who are looking and listening. God, bless every family, every marriage, every single person. Lord, I just pray that you bless everyone in here, God. We pray all these things in your son's name, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have no idea how much I love you. You're welcome to help yourself. Thank you, guys.